A River to Cross, Waypoint Number 6. I have met the enemy, and it is me. The goal of this writing has been clearly stated, but another side to that coin is that I want to do no harm to any other person. I met and married a wonderful and charming Christian woman from another state, but I failed again. She would say that the enemy won in the failure of our marriage. That is a true statement, but we know ultimately God prevails in spite of all enemies and in spite of my repeated failures. We fall, but God stands eternally strong. There is nothing to be gained by detailing the failure of my second marriage. It is simply this. I failed my marriage covenant by participating in divorce again. Words beyond that would be seeking to justify that which is not justifiable. I would add that my goal here is to examine and evaluate my behavior, and I find it to be seriously lacking. I do not look to anyone else. It is my own failure that I see. A few days ago, I had to go to Macomb for a doctor's appointment. I drove by my old house where Prudence still lives, a fine old home in the historic downtown area. There is still a very real and deep pain from the loss of my family unit. I wondered, why can't I still be in the middle of family gatherings? I drove on to my appointment and the answer to my question came to me very plainly. You cannot be a part of the family gatherings anymore because you broke the family unit. You made decisions to put your wants and your desires ahead of your commitments and your vows. You caused a pain so deep that even though she can and has forgiven you, her heart cannot let you back in. It has developed a self-protective coating that has plenty of room forgiveness for forgiveness, but the hurt is too deep to be healed by apologies. That is why you can't get back in. You can't make your own choices, but your choices always come with consequences. I will live the rest of my life with the consequences of two failed marriages. Worse even is that all of my family, my friends, and those in my sphere of influence live with and are affected by the consequences of my wrong choices. Far worse, the gospel of Jesus Christ is impacted by the total failure I made in each of these marriages. Waypoint number seven. Moving from looking inward to looking upward. I have concluded my selected overview of the circumstances that led me from December 1953 to about April 2016. The circumstances given are limited. Obviously, much more could be added. However, these vignettes are representative of the overall time and circumstances addressed. Where do we go from here? The goal was to answer these questions. How did I get here? Why? Where do I go from here? What is my purpose? How do I help others avoid some of the pitfalls I encountered through my own poor choices? To answer those questions, I have been looking inwardly, but to really understand myself, I must next look up. 
I first have to get a clear understanding of who God is, as much as that can be done of the one and only God who is far beyond our understanding. But God has revealed himself in his word, and we can know all we need to know of him and much more as we look at God as he reveals himself in his word. The information in part two is copied with permission from a previous work, Follow Him in All Things, also written by me. Part two, who God is as he reveals himself in Scripture. Chapter 36, Knowing and Trusting God. What is your first thought in the morning? We must think right things because it frames the day. If you begin a journey in the right place, you will always reach your destination. If we start at the wrong place, we will never get where we were supposed to go. And we can stop anywhere and it doesn't matter because when you start wrong, where you wind up doesn't even matter. God has graciously given me the awareness of thinking about who he is as my first thought most mornings. The second thing I do is take a hymnal from my bedside table and sing of the worth and honor and glory due to God and the blessings of trusting in Him. This was not always the case. I cannot count the mornings my first move was to light a cigarette before my eyes even opened. Today I light up my heart with the glorious reminders of who God is, what He is doing, and what He will do. When you begin with God and the truth of who he is, your day is framed in a way that cannot fail. Knowing God is perfect in all of his ways is the most important thing knowable. It is vitally important for us to think right things about God and to come to know him for who he really is, perfect in all of his ways. Knowing God for who he really is will transform our lives and lead us to fully trust him. Knowing and trusting God is key to loving and following him. Knowing and trusting God is key to loving and following him. The more we know and trust God, the better we worship and serve God with growing intimacy and focus. Our worship of God is key to encountering the person of God, encountering, loving, and worshiping the person of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is our reason for existence. God does not need us, but we desperately need Him. Being in a loving, worshipful relationship with Him and loving His people are the reasons for our existence. It is for those very purposes He created us. When we begin to think right thoughts about who God is, we will, by His grace, begin to live right lives in the light of God's holiness and perfection. Having a proper view of God opens the doorway to a proper view of ourselves. When we see God for who he is and see ourselves in the light of him, one of two things happen. We become disheartened and turn back to being a little religious, satisfied with living a lukewarm existence, going back to the way we have always done things, or... 
we begin to seriously seek after the crucified life where Christ is everything, where we truly know we are his, we belong to him, and nothing else matters. We live abandoned to Jesus Christ. The very moment we die to self is the moment we truly begin to live, living the abundant life Christ died to give us. This is not something that happens one day and we are through. The Apostle Paul, after knowing and serving Jesus Christ for many years through many devastating challenges, said, And this, so that I may know him, experientially becoming more thoroughly acquainted with him, understanding the remarkable wonders of his person more completely and in that same way experience the power of his resurrection which overflows and is active in believers and that I may share the fellowship of his sufferings by being continually transformed inwardly into his likeness even to his death dying as he did. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 from the Amplified Version of the Bible. In my seventh decade of life, I have finally begun to see God for who he is. The more I see of God, the more I want to know him. The journey to a deeper knowledge of God is just beginning for me. The more I know him, the more I love him. And the more I love him, the more I want to know him. He is beginning to become in my thoughts what he has always been. Everything. Coming to know God for who he really is radically changes the dynamics of our daily lives. When we know that the very God who created everything is personally with each one of us, loves us, and has promised never to leave us, nothing could possibly be sweeter. Nothing could be more important. There is no greater thing than knowing God. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 32. Life is a great joy today because I know who God is and who I am in Christ. I have discovered my purpose in life, and I have set my sights on the one true destination of a life that counts, Christ himself, more of him, less of me. Why has it taken me so long to learn the ultimate importance of knowing Jesus? I do not know the answer to the question, but because God is perfect in all of his ways, I do not lament that I am learning these truths late. However, I do encourage you to grasp the fullness of God as early as possible. There were many years I wandered with little or no purpose. Rather than getting bogged down in the why of God's timing, parenthesis, I think the enemy would love for me to cry over those lost years, in parenthesis, my focus is rejoicing in what God is teaching me now as I seek a deeper walk with Christ. After all, God is in control, and his timing, like everything else about him, is perfect in every way. God is revealing himself to me at the perfect time according to his great plan. It is my fervent 
prayer that he will use this book to help you and me in our pursuit of God. Knowing God leads to trusting God. Trusting God in all circumstances is one of God's most important and beautiful gifts. When we know God loves us and his purpose in all things is for our good, we begin to fully experience true peace, joy, and contentment. We cease to agonize over why things happen the way they do. We look to God instead of our circumstances. Knowing God, not man, is ultimately in charge helps us to develop an unoffendable heart. Someone else may have intended harm for us, but God will work it for our good so we refuse to get angry and we can even give thanks in all circumstances. God is growing us up in him. Quote, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Each of us experiences challenges every day. God uses life's challenges to shape and mold us into the people he created us to be. Knowing, trusting, and following God day by day leads to a transformation from the old you to revealing Christ in you. The most radical procedure in our makeover improves self and pride. Self, selfish, self-centered, me, my, mine is the greatest sin that must be removed from and conquered within each of us. It is a form of spiritual pride, the opposite of being poor in spirit, Matthew 5, 3. Spiritual pride is any sense that we are good enough to save ourselves or even to contribute the least bit to our place in God through Christ. Pride is every thought and attitude that adopts or incorporates any such self-thought. Pride is not from God. God has to trim away all thoughts of pride, self-sufficiency, and self-adequacy from us to show our complete dependence upon him. This cutting away of pride is a lifelong process. It is a form of pruning. It is never easy or pleasant at the moment, but it is always productive if we trust God in the process. My experience has been that it happens like this. Quote, Lord, this hurts, and I don't know what you are doing, but I do know you love me, and you want what is best for me. Lord, I trust you, end quote. This is the same deep trust Jesus expressed to the Father when he said, quote, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done, end quote. Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Jesus Christ is our example in all things. The storms that blow into our lives are used by God to reveal the deeper truth of who God is and who we are. How we respond to the storms or tests in life has a great impact on the course of our lives. Quote, On that day, when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. 
and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? End quote. Mark chapter 4 verses 35 through 41. The disciples went from a time of great doubting to a deeper knowledge of God. They went from fear and trembling in the face of the storm to reverential fear and honor for the master of the sea. Charles Swindoll has said, quote, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% of how I react to it, period, end quote. How we respond is determined by our view of God, and we have to get the right view of God. That is my heart's burning desire for you and for me. I have to acknowledge here that much of my life has consisted of a very self-centered, selfish, and self-destructive path that has wounded me and many others. The pain of my failures is still deeply felt by me and those impacted. I must and I do accept full responsibility for my failures and the resulting harm. However, it is not the failures that I wish to emphasize, but rather the work of God's grace in my life. My report is, quote, God loves you. He has a plan for your life. His plan is through the finished work of the Savior Jesus Christ. He has called us into a deep love relationship with him. The right relationship with God is one where we progressively grow in our knowledge of and our love for him. Knowing God leads to trusting God. Trusting God allows life's challenges to shape us into who he wants us to be. With God, the closer we get, the better he looks. We are all sinners and we all fail. No one will ever be right with God by his or her efforts or actions. Jesus died in our place that we might live through him, living fully surrendered to God, where our daily goal is to die to ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. I pray that sharing some of my own failures will hopefully help you avoid some of my poor choices and accept your own failures as a means for God to shape you into the person he intends you to be. May we each move forward to living the full Christ-centered life God has set before us. We can see many examples in Scripture where God used a person's failures to actually help them grow and mature spiritually. I have found that God uses our failures to teach us the ultimate lesson of trusting Him. The clearest statement we have on trusting God is this powerful command and promise. Quote, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. End quote. Proverbs 3 verses 5 through 6. 
Trusting in the Lord with all our hearts means we learn to do things his way, which is always, without exception, the right way and better way. Knowing and trusting God will radically change how we respond to every mountain and molehill we encounter in life. God uses the events of life to mold us into the people he put us here to be. However, this only happens as we start to know and understand God for who he really is. Fully trusting God is a major challenge. The largest part of trusting God in the challenge is me. The reason is clear. I'm holding out hope that there is some good in me that I will be able to help God make me better, to help with my salvation. This thought must fully die. Quote, self, end quote, anything, parenthesis, self-righteousness, self-centered, self-absorbed, selfish, in parenthesis, must die. I have to know that life is one thing, Jesus it is not and cannot ever be Jesus plus I did this or that. Today I know I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. We might imagine the picture of Christ's finished work in this way. We are standing in line to pay for our purchases. Jesus takes our place and pays our bill in full. Jesus is disgraced when we, knowing he's paid the bill in full, continue to stand in line and try to pay a bill he has already paid. He wants us to accept him and his finished work, and we do that by knowing, trusting, and resting in him, taking our eyes off of ourselves and looking unto him fully and finally. There is an old hymn, it goes like this. My hope is built on nothing less. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ's solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand prayer to know and trust God more each day. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, help us to know you are a good, good Father and you are perfect in all of your ways. Help us to know we can and must trust you completely, leaning fully on you and trusting in you with all of our hearts. Lord, help us to know we can do nothing without you. We can't even draw a breath except that you have given it to us. Help each of us to build our lives on the reality of who you are. Lord, we want to know you as fully as we can. Help us to lay aside any thoughts we have except the truth of who you reveal yourself to be in your word, knowing that whatever happens in our lives, we can and absolutely must rest and trust wholly in you. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.